0: Creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, July 9th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in Orlando Studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello. Hello. From Gatorland, Florida, Eddie Big Cat Koffeltz. Yes, go USA Soccer. And all the way in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Tyler Huckabee. Hey everybody! The boys are back in town. Annie is on summer vacay. It was her birthday on Sunday, and so I think we're in the afterglow portion of her birthday week. She makes it essentially a state holiday in the state of Tennessee.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, she has like a best of episode on her podcast. It's like a whole. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, it's there's a big her. parade and celebration today.
2: She's not going to be here for it, her, but they've closed off all the. They blocked off all the streets. Police are out in full force. It's a bit. It's a national. It, it's a big deal here
1: yeah and i I just want to say personally, I think that there are very few better ways to honor the amazing u s. soccer win this past weekend than four to five dudes sitting around talking about it. So we should really get into that
0: <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a big weekend for for America. Uh, Sunday was a big uh, a very patriotic day it seemed like on Twitter. Everybody's really yeah. excited about the game
2: i think everybody on who listens to this podcast regularly knows that i'm a big sports head as they say i'm mm-hmm. always into, i'm always, i like all the sports sports man yeah, i'm a sports man. Fast, i'm, a, I'm a, like if 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 you got a ball i'm interested you i want i want to watch it <laughs> i love it yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about it. i just get hyped on the, on the all the ball games um but but even for somebody like me this felt like a pretty excited. This felt like a really big deal. I had a lot of fun with it. I was out in full U.S. regalia at my local sport ball uh, drinking establishment, <laughs> and I had a real blast uh, cheering for cheering for the team U.S. What an incredible, I mean,
1: that was an amazing, even if like, Jesse, I know you have feelings about soccer
2: and we, you know what,
1: save it. It's just an
3: inferior (laughs) sport to every other sport. That's all. (laughs) That's my only feeling.
1: Continue though. And this is absolutely the wrong time for that. Um, but I will, (laughs) but like, even if you're not a huge soccer head, like this was like, I like objection, like this was a great game and what an amazing team and what a moment like Just Mm -hmm. I feel like there was just it was unifying. The country was just, I mean, except for the executive branch, but mostly the whole country was pretty excited. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Can I speaking of unified? I really appreciate it all, though, like everybody celebrated in their own way. Obviously, we all have we all had our ways of of bringing of of celebrating what the what the women did. But I saw something that I really I wanted to bring to y'all's attention here. Um, This is a little bit of a a visual, uh, a a visual slice. I apologize for that. But I'm sending a text. And uh, I'll be interested for you. To, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on it. This. this was a image that was tweeted by Bleacher Report. Uh, they they put together this picture to commemorate the what the women did, the accomplishment of, of Team US. And it was up for about like a shining, like a shooting star. It was up for about 20 minutes before they deleted it. Fortunately, I saved a screenshot before it was taken down. And I will cherish this. Forever, because it is the... Did you guys get it? Yeah. I saw it first. Describe what you're seeing. It is a
0: painting. I mean, it's like a watercolor <laughs> painting of of uh, a lot of people. Yes. Uh, yes. They are... there. It looks to be about 50 people or so. Uh-huh. Uh, they are grouped in the colors and shape of the American flag. That's Again, right. a very uh-huh. painting style. In the front, the forefront of it is Team USA's the women's national team, that's right, get soccer the champions, Makes and sense. then there's about forty iconic <laughs> Americans. I don't know, behind <laughs> but them. But, but not even all of them are <laughs> not Americans. all of them. As many people have pointed out,
3: for some reason... Okay, here's the other thing. There are iconic people, but they're not like activists. These are not... Uh, you know. There's a couple of uh, fellow athletes to Team USA, but many of them are random just actors and performers. Just a few several names. Of them, Let's just throw out a
1: few names. Several well, in character. I'll start with this. The entire cast of Modern Family, including the show's creator...
0: Yes. <laughs> is in a, on the sports side, there's LeBron and Kobe. And then right in the middle, there's Kendrick Lamar. There's uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Ellen DeGeneres, Brad Pitt, The entire cast Oprah, of Friends. The entire <laughs> and cast and of Friends. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unexplicably, inexplicably, uh, Iron Man Captain America is <laughs> so well, not, there by not Iron Robert Man. Downey Jr. No, no, it's, no, no, no. it's the yeah. only character, and the whole thing is just Iron Man. <laughs> well, Whereas Robert Downey Jr. would have been—I mean, you know—I well, no, guess the, Brie Larson Cap- is Captain Marvel.
2: But they also some of them are like that is clearly Tom Cruise in Top Gun, not 100%. <laughs> Tom Cruise the actor. It's clearly Michael Scott. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's not nice. Steve Carell. A, yeah, obviously Michael Scott. But then some of them like Brad Pitt is just Brad Pitt. Yeah. they they didn't bother putting him in character. Same with Jennifer Lawrence. It's just Jennifer Lawrence looking at us. I don't know what the rhyme or reason it's was to determining who got to be in character and who ja was just Rule. their celebrity selves.
0: But what's and, interesting too is like I I mean I'm I'm gathering that these are people who have defined or made America proud. Maybe you know I think like so. on the world stage. But if you look to the right on the second row, there's a number of. Faces I don't even recognize. There's a mustachioed gentleman. um Who are those people? I see the, the Kim Kardashian gentleman. Which one are you talking about? I don't know. A oh, few so mustaches. I see, I see behind Kim Kardashian. There's two people from Modern Family. But to the left of them, there's a run oh, yeah. of like four or five people that I don't know who it is. Yeah, I'm trying I, to tell you, I really don't you know. know. I'm, I'm trying, trying to who,
2: figure who, out who it is between Jay Z and Kendrick Lamar. Who who? OK, I want to know who's top right huh.
3: in that pork pie hat, because yeah. like the Heisenberg <laughs> hat, because at first, glance I'm like, how did photographer Jeremy Cowart end up end up in this American flag picture? Maybe it because
2: is Jeremy Cowart, because
3: yeah. he's known for those for like, like I said, for lack of a better term, the Heisenberg. Everyone knows the hat I'm talking about here. It's black. Uh-huh. It's a small like fedora like hat. And is that Jeremy Cowart next to Angelina Jolie? <laughs> Why are these people chosen? And like who commissioned this at Bleacher Report? It, it, it is, like obviously, this took some time.
2: This wasn't. It doesn't appear to be slapped together. It is it's true. true not insanity a bad painting. It's not it's a true bad insanity. painting, but it also is a terrible painting. It's it's one of the craziest internet things I've ever seen in my life. Which is maybe what makes it so American. I also want to note that at a glance, Matthew Perry gives off some strong Michael W. Smith energy with the stare <laughs> that he's giving. <laughs> he's blinked really a little bit. I'm, I'm uh, okay. Here's my theory.
0: My theory is this flag painting of the iconic American figures, celebrities, existed. It previously existed by this artist. And then when Team USA made Uh, the country so proud, he updated it to put them front and center that they are on the level of the kind of Mount Rushmore, cultural Mount Rushmore of importance to our country as, as much as Beyonce and Eleanor. I think he was trying to, I think they're trying to make a commentary of how important Team USA was, but I don't think it's landing. Is my point.
3: It reminds me of a tweet that we were tagged in over the weekend, where uh, someone said that their their spouse was a realtor and they were showing a home. And in this, you know, in the picture, the, like they 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 ran across this in one of the rooms of this home that that the that this realtor is showing, and it's a very large painting in a very nice frame. It does. There's nothing about it that seems ironic until you look at the picture, and it is a large like monkey, like an ape. And he's cradling a tiny Nicholas Cage, and it's yeah. hanging
0: <laughs> in true. his home, okay, <laughs> a cool. home that's on the market. They tell you to depersonalize yeah, exactly. your home when you yeah. put it on the market, but they, they and they did. They they took away the family photos, the knickknacks, the tchotchkes. They did. They minimized but they had to leave the large monkey holding the Nicolas Cage painting. So
3: yeah, exa- I mean, it's just a real selling point. I, I'm, I'm, you can only assume that it comes with a house, you know, or at least that can be negotiated as part of the part of the deal. Because if, if you see a house and that's hanging there, it's just best not to ask questions, just assume this has to stay. Legally, if I buy this house, I can never take this painting down.
1: Well... Congratulations, U.S. Women's Soccer! <laughs> yeah, made us all
0: proud. <laughs> we uh, have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, author and financial expert Rachel Cruz joins us. She's uh, the daughter of Dave Ramsey. You probably know her. She was on Good Morning America yesterday morning and uh, is continuing to make the media rounds. You know, ascending in in uh, importance by coming on the podcast today. So Rachel Cruz is joining us.
3: I like to think that Good Morning America is our opening act. You know, like they (laughs) kind of go out, get the crowd warmed up. And then she takes the stage on the, on, you know, the premier platform, which is the relevant podcast.
0: It's a part of our continued celebration of our hundredth issue of relevant. Rachel is part of the life round table where we look back at kind of the big things that have changed and kind of intentional living over the last 15, 16 years um, and kind of where things are and where things are going for this generation. Obviously she brings more of the kind of financial, uh, career kind of stuff. That's what we talked to her about coming up later.
3: I want to. I want to mention one more thing from the weekend and get you guys' thoughts, uh, real quick. Um, because I, I do want to. Uh, you know, I know we got a lot to get to today. But um, when's the last time any of you guys have used the slip and slide, Cameron? I think I've seen one in your backyard relatively recently.
0: Literally Saturday. Uh, we, okay. we we have a hill that goes down from the pool to the lake, like this long hill, and I got this fifty foot piece of plastic and we run it from the pool deck all the way down to the lake and soap it up and put you know sprinkler on it and then we have these like little um uh kind of blow up kind of you know things and you just run and slide and shoot out into the lake it's so fun let me ask
3: you a question cameron did how did you participate in the sliding yeah of course okay I have not done a slip and slide in in probably 20 years at least. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I was at a get together and one was, you know, you know, someone put up the slip and slide. Yeah. Cameron, when you run and slide, are you just going bare body to piece of plastic or are you using some sort of like, you
0: know, boogie board or something Bo- to, as like we- a sled? We have we have inflatable kind of sled boogie board things with two mm-hmm. handles on them that you can run yeah. and jump like on your stomach onto. Yeah. But if mm-hmm. you're gonna go bare, you gotta you can slide and just kinda of slide down in a sitting position and you're fine. Yeah. You know. Okay. Because I, you know, I was
3: very intimidated by the product, because I remember as a kid, like, slip and slide's all fun until you slide over that rock, or you slide a little bit too far, and all of a sudden you go from sliding over a a, a wet piece of plastic to wet grass to a dry concrete driveway. You know, like, I've seen a lot of things go wrong with slip and slides, and that's all running through my head when I'm about to attempt this as an adult. Because everyone else seems to be having fun and having no problem. And here's the thing, guys, you guys know me. I fashion myself as someone who has you know very above average natural athletic coordination i mean you guys you know this is apparent to anyone who's intimidating me almost yeah. instantly yeah almost yeah a lot of people most people are physically intimidated uh which is understandable so I, I you know i'm trying to get out of my own head i'm like you know this is gonna be fine running full speed and slamming my body into the ground How could it possibly go wrong? So I have that little inflatable sled thing, right? Uh, uh, it's basically like Cameron, what what was he, what he was talking about? It's two little handles on it. It's a, it's like a, you know, like a sled that you pump air in, but this one had had a leak in it and was slightly deflated. So I get up and I'm running full speed with a sled in two hands in front of me. And I go to dive down in something I can only imagine that this was, you know, just if I if you repeated this a million times, there would only be one time it would go disastr- disastrously wrong every <laughs> time. Not only would I do the slide with incredible speed, I'd probably also threw a couple barrel rolls or tricks on the way down the hill. But unfortunately, as I was running to jump. I stepped on the back of the sled, which caused, it was like running full speed and jumping with your shoelaces. Except in that scenario, you can at least catch yourself in your, with your hands. In this case, my hands are tightly holding on to the handles of the sled. And it is like I get tackled by an invisible linebacker and it is straight hip to ground full. It's like running full speed and just slamming your body onto the ground. Cameron, I'm terrified of these things now. It was a horrific injury. It looks like it looks like if you guys saw my hip right now, it looks like someone hit me with a golf ball right on the hip bone. It was awful.
1: The problem with adult slip and sliding is in my mind, I still have the same physics that I did when I was 11. So I could take my little 11 year old body, run full speed, fly onto the ground and go for a little while. But now, you know, within the last probably six months, I've done that same thing. The physics change pretty substantially when this man runs full speed, falls onto his stomach and goes full speed because I'm going a lot faster and the stakes are much higher, much, much higher and much oh, more yeah. painful. The,
3: the, the stakes are like I could tear ACL here,
1: you know? Oh, 100%. And I'm landing on my stomach like there's a lot of weight coming down pretty condensed onto my stomach and chest and I'm like, well, now I can't breathe and I'm going what feels to be 100 miles an hour to the end of this. These slip and slides need to be a hundred feet or I'm never, I'm just going to slide off the end. <laughs> well, the the literally,
3: literally the only thing like that is between me and my bare body in the ground running full speed is a thin sheet of
0: plastic and water.
3: That's yeah. it. Cameron. I, I, I'm surprised that this yeah. is something that you're comfortable doing because it's this, so
0: fun. You got it. It's all about angles. You can't slam yourself down. You got to like almost like lower your center, your gravity as you're going. And then you just kind of gradually finish you know, going all the way. You're just like sliding. You don't like run
2: and then plop yourself. You're Not gonna like hurt Simone Biles here. I can't be expected to do some sort of like crazy gymnastics. What you Lowering describing. myself mid-run to like that. Yeah, it's no, a,
0: you got to get uh, whatever you guys. Come on. The, the fun thing is, is when you have a bunch of children and they've they've sure. all just done it and they're gathered they're, at the bottom of the hill at the end of the 50-foot slip and slide and they don't know you're coming next. Because none of the other parents have done it. And so I fling my body at 30 miles an hour to all the nine and 11 year olds and they fly into the lake like bowling pins. It was great. That does sound
3: fun. If I wasn't horrifically injured in my first and only attempt, then maybe I would try something cool like that. But I'm never doing one again. It was terrible. It was just awful.
0: The look the look of sheer terror on the children's faces as they see my figure <laughs> flying at them at full speed was was uh worth that the price of admission. Guessing. Yeah, it was fun.
1: The, the other wow. problem with it is at this age and size is that the amount of water I needed when I was a kid was just like, oh yeah, we get it a little bit wet and we're, we're flying. <laughs> now, if it's just a little bit wet, I am hitting that thing full speed at a full stop because my body is just like, Ur! and it's like, <laughs> I need, I need a, a good amount of lubrication to keep the friction between my body and that plastic sheet going. a If not, it just crinkles into a big mass and I'm just laying there with the kids laughing at me.
0: But see, I, I didn't go I didn't go official slip and slide because those are going to be like 10 feet long. And like you said, they're built for very small bodies. I went and I went on Amazon and found a 50 foot by 20 foot piece of plastic, like silicone, you know, the same same material, mm-hmm. but it wasn't branded, right? And then I just get my own sprinkler and stuff like that, you know, like the little, you know, $2 sprinklers. And it was way cheaper than some fancy brand and way bigger. And so it's like you can do a lot more damage. Eddie little pro tip for you. Next time you do this, the kids, you're right, they don't need any extra lubrication. The the plastic and the water is enough. For you, get a little dish soap, put it on your stomach. Like cleaning nobility. Oh, you, you, vas- you, you just yeah. pour it on yourself and then you
1: go mm-hmm. and you
2: shoot you shoot That's out there. Yeah. I
1: am
0: the slip and slide. A
2: little <laughs> <You> graphite <laughs>
1: powder, a little vaseline, a little <laughs> bit of and I'm I'm out of here
2: this sounds like something that youth pastor would do to like get the kids really worked up like oh he's putting dish soap on his belly yeah, watch yeah. out kids
3: listen Very if you oil cool. yourself up enough if you oil your body up enough anywhere is a slip and slide That's like, oh, yeah. like, just like the mall the mall like if you walked in there just yeah. just all Wet greased up yeah. just yeah. greased up in a bathing suit and you just start running and just yeah. slide You're fine. everywhere it, is yeah. a slip and slide now and there's just a greasy yeah. body stain running yeah. into Spencer gifts and it's like oh, right. I don't I up in here, this feels shady. I better get out. And then you run and you just slide away and go get yourself an anti ends. Like, like anywhere's a slip inside with enough oil and lubricant. It's, it's like right. the
1: sled on National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. But I'm exactly just right. a flash of lightning just going to Wally World. Just, just
0: a flash of flesh shooting <laughs> through the mall. Screaming, <laughs> help, help, help. <laughs> All right, moving the show along. Stay tuned Dude, next. slices. <laughs> Flume. The song is Let You Know, featuring London Grammar. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Taylor Swift with You Need to Calm Down, which is what the children told me as I was yelling at them as I was about to hit them on the slip slide. <laughs> well, today's show is brought to you by Quip. It's a wireless electric toothbrush. It's lightweight and compact. It's perfect to take with you on your summer vacations and also at the house. The timed sonic vibrations and the Quip toothbrush give you a meditative break from all that jam-packed summer vacation. It's like a little two-minute vacation twice a day.
3: It, it's yeah. like, Cameron, it's like getting away for a teeth massage in the hardest part of the day. You know? like, That's right. That's so right. See, guys, guys, I'm stepping away. I'm it's a little like, stressed out. It's like magazine uh, deadline. I need I need hey. tooth massage. Two minutes.
0: Hey, wh- why spend all the money on a summer vacation when you can just do a staycation? with a fresh and simple health routine. Three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective on our toothbrush. That's why uh, Quip brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. And Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals and have thousands of verified five-star reviews online. That's why I love Quip. I use it every day, and it's probably the best-looking toothbrush you'll ever come across. Quip starts at just twenty five bucks, and if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip. dot com slash relevant. And let me Our, just say on,
1: yeah. on Quip's behalf, and, and you know they didn't ask me to give this ringing endorsement both i love my quip toothbrush but also that american dental association endorsement yeah. jesse has sent them dozens of ideas to get their endorsement and yeah. every single one of them has hit a resounding thud
3: <laughs> yeah they, yeah that's that's a quality endorsement if you get them on board then you're you're legit just me on that yeah,
0: yeah. all right it's time for slices
3: <laughs> what do you have jesse <laughs> All right. Well, this uh, I, I guess what I got to do for a deal with it, everyone, they're both very interesting. One <laughs> is about how to get your license to become a mall massage masseuse. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. That would, I'm always curious about that, though. The people that that are actually giving the mall massages, you know, yeah. like that, like you you sit back behind that chair that's right mm-hmm. by the escalator and you just kind of lay in it and your face is down because it's such a shameful, weird thing to do. Like only serial killers get ma- massaged at the mall just in front of everyone. Yeah. If you went to massage school and are a licensed masseuse, why you go? Why you'd be in the mall one? Like don't don't you want to work at like a salon or somewhere? Isn't it weird to just show up? Right outside the food court every day and just rub people right there. I'm just saying. Uh, I, I don't it, know. Are
1: they giving out those chicken samples in the food court? Because that just to me <laughs> seems like a great job perk.
3: It, it, like, are mall masseuses even? Um, what are they called? M- Masu? What's the plural of masseuse? Masseus? I,
1: I think we should go with masseuses, even
3: though I Masseus-i. believe it's. Pro- <laughs> if you're a mall masseuse,
0: masseuses.
3: Yeah. <laughs> if you, <laughs> like, if you're pursuing it, why? Why? Why the mall? You know, are they even licensed? I just have so many questions about it. And I don't know why I brought it up, but I feel like I, it just needed to be addressed. I feel this like it's not been the slice. The, I feel like it's been the meatball that's just been hanging out there that we've all been thinking about every week and no one's talking about it. Well, you're finally
1: talking about the it. The
3: elephant is out, you know, is, you know, free to leave the room. I guess we'll revisit it. We'll <laughs> yeah. revisit it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I want to give an update. You guys may remember, I think this has been a couple of years ago. But we talked about a device called the mosquito. And what this does is it submits this like very high frequency sound that is meant to only be audible to people between the age of 13 to 25 years old. Apparently, that's the window where your hearing is developed enough to hear this frequency, but you haven't experienced sort of the gradual hearing loss that everyone does, uh, you know, later in life. Now, uh, the mosquito is back in the news because in Philadelphia, uh, people have installed the, the officials have just installed uh, over 40 of these devices in in the city's parks, near playgrounds and recreation centers. And they turn them on from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. every night. Now, the other places that were utilizing them a couple of years ago were like uh, convenience stores and stuff. They didn't want people loitering, which I didn't know loitering outside of a convenience store was something people still did. I felt I felt like that was I only felt like people loitered outside of convenience stores in the days where, you know, disputes were settled by dance offs. You know, like it seems like a very weird uh, West Side Story thing to do just to loiter. You know, but uh, so these are installed all over the city <laughs> and it's gotten pretty mixed reviews from people in the city. Obviously, young people don't like it. They are talking to, you know, they uh, NPR interviewed people in Philadelphia that are in their late 20s that are actually having to take new routes to work because they walk to work very early. You know, some of these people walk to work very early in the morning and they can't walk by the local park. Because this thing is going off. And these people, you know, are in their late 20s. They're 27, 28 years old. And they said that it's not even like a a sound that you hear. It's like you're getting inflicted with like a headache at the moment. Uh, this is so controversial that in the, the Council of Europe, which is a human rights organization, uh, determined that they are a violation of international law. And they said that they are inhuman, inhuman and degrading treatment. They are neither politically acceptable nor consistent with the safeguard of fundamental human rights. And they determine that they are discriminatory towards people who are young. What do you guys think about the mosquito devices being installed in philadelphia i don 't think I have <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, no i'm I'm, no, I'm, I'm marinated. yeah it's a it 's a weird idea like the, the, like I get like you don 't want people hanging out at a park at night, and Cameron you used to live across the street from a park, and you saw the mm. the havoc that can be reached by teenagers Davis, right? out there doing what teenagers do in a public park but i don't think like a sonic device is any sort of you know that, that seems like a pretty drastic measure to take like it doesn't seem like it should be legal
1: there was a story like this a couple of years ago about like 7-eleven doing it yeah. so that like yeah. w- right of course and that for some reason that seemed okay because it's and so i guess for me the line is private versus public property Right, it feels like there shouldn't be any deterrent to any kind of person hanging out at a park unless there's really clear posted rules. I guess. Yeah, but it's just a weird method to oh, yeah. you know,
3: try to yeah. try to annoy people because you can't like control necessarily the proximity. Like you're just shooting this sound out in the air to keep people away. It just seems you know like something counter to what cities should be doing.
0: It, it, the cities have done. I don't, don't take this wrong way, Jesse. This says something about the proximity of the city that you are exposed to the yeah. bad parts of town have really annoying fluorescent lights hmm. to, you know, in the shady yeah. areas, you know what i So it's like, like the city, cities have done this for a while. If, if, if people are gathering in places that the city doesn't want, the cities use light, sound, different things. They've remodeled a sketchy part of, you know, a, yeah. you know, they cities have been doing this, you know, for a long time. I mean, so I, I don't think it's unusual.
3: Uh, Yeah, but I guess it seems like there's a difference between like... You know, installing bright lights somewhere in yes. a dark area, or like constructing uh things that will discourage people from like you know falling asleep on a park bench. Like I can understand those, but this seems like you know you're in- intentionally trying to inflict pain onto people. It just seems like like an in- like a weird distinction of just like using design to make a, a space more public and you know less opportune. To to do things that aren't approved, to just saying we're just gonna give people headaches that happen to be walking by,
2: and it seems like a it seems like it's very easy to see that this could be utilized. I mean, it's one thing maybe to like annoy kids hanging out at a public park, but I can, it's very easy to see this being utilized against like homeless people who don't have a place to sleep, who yeah. who just want to sleep, and that. And I feel like that's where it it feels like it does cross a line uh, to like kind of insulting human dignity in a way that, that is that I, I that it could be
0: used worry in a worrying way. Yeah. Every major city does that too, though. I mean, they literally, they'll have yeah. districts of the city where sitting down on the ground is against the law or obviously panhandling is against the law. And like things, you know, like loitering is against the law. And they, they do try to push homelessness into certain zones. And I mean, cities have been doing this forever. it's just another I, I tactic. Agree. I mean, I agree with that. I just don't think they
2: should.
1: Yeah. They're also the tactic of this seems, I mean, it's almost not a debate of like, should they or should they not be trying to control different populations? It's like this particular tactic just seems like especially mean and just kind of sneaky. I don't. That's the problem
3: with me. And it just like, I feel like it's like scary that there's a device out there that can cause you to like get a headache just by being in a certain location,
1: you know? Hmm. Um, That being said, Jesse, what would you pay to be able to have one of these devices on hand to use whenever you feel like? just
3: like like a car siren? Like I can just go and it just blasts and I just watch, you know, crowds of teenagers disperse or I like chase around a bunch (laughs) of punk skateboarders in my car. That would be really fun. Now, if I could own. Yeah, if I could own a loud mosquito device, I would absolutely take one because it sounds hilarious. Um, Okay, Uh, uh, I I want to do one more uh, quick story. I felt like this one was pretty interesting, uh, especially for our audiences just around the table real quick. How many of you guys ever consult your pastor about any sort of life advice uh, just around the table? Eddie, do you ever consult a, a member of the, uh, someone in professional ministry uh, about life advice? Uh,
1: no. No, I don't. <laughs> Tyler? <laughs> Tyler? I do. Yes. I do. do. I think one time I yeah. did one once. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> one time Eddie did once. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was lost and looking for direction. There's happened to be a priest standing right there. He yeah. <laughs> knew exactly where to go. Very friendly guy. Uh, Cameron, do you ever consult, uh, uh, your pastor about, you know, advice for things in your life?
0: Advice? No, that to me that's more of the counseling role. I, I, but you know, to go get coffee, catch up, talk about life, yeah, yeah. But I don't sit there and go, now that I have you, I have these questions for you. I, I don't do
2: that.
3: Yeah, yeah. But but Tyler, that's something that that you occasionally will do.
2: I have I have texted mine and, and several times. Yeah, that was like I don't know what to do here. What do you? What would you do in this situation? Yeah. What do you think I should yeah. do? Yes. Well,
3: it, it's interesting because uh, that actually bears out in a new poll from the Associated Press that found that three quarters of Americans uh, either rarely or never consult a member of the clergy uh, about things going on in their life. Uh, only a quarter do so at least some of the time. What's interesting is that even among Americans who say that they attend a religious service uh, once or twice a month or, or at least twice a month, excuse me, uh, which is about a third of Americans. So only a third are actually attending religious services to have, you know, some sort of even interaction with people in, in ministry. Only half of those say they ever really consult a minister about something going on in their life. Um, but they did find that people who, uh, do consult, uh, clergy members, there's one topic. There are two actual things that, uh, uh, most often come up. Like there are two things that if you're going to consult someone in ministry about statistically, it's about one of two things. Any guesses to what those are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like
0: relationship, relationship advice. advice. Yep.
3: Absolutely. Yep. That's number two. The first is about opportunities to like volunteer or, you know, oh, advice right? about oh, gi- yeah. giving, giving yeah. your time or money. Like people want to know entire like, if job. Help.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? That's all that, I mean, that was, uh, nobody came in. To talk with me when I was in this role, except for getting more involved in the church, which was great. And relationship is falling apart or we're thinking about getting married. Any advice? It was always I mean, that is the that was the go to, which was a privilege to be a part of. But that was there wasn't a lot of other stuff. It wasn't a lot of like small engine repair or stuff, you know, stuff like that.
2: Yeah. So this would bear out in your ministry
1: experience. Hundred, hundred percent. I was so grateful of the counseling background that for that exact reason, because that was the whole deal.
3: And that's what's interesting because you have a counseling background, but I wonder like how many people in ministry, even that's something that's like a major part of their training. Like a lot of them, a lot of pastors have a lot of like theological knowledge and insight, but may not, you know, have the same, like, I don't, I didn't go to seminary, but like do is... Something our topics dealing with marriage and relationships, even something that seminaries have a big emphasis on, because that seem, like you know this study seems to show they probably should because that's one yeah. of the main things that I, congregants are going to want to ask you about. Point.
1: I mean, tra- traditionally it's just a theological deep dive, which isn't bad, but you know you can take counseling classes or marriage and family therapy as an elective. But at that point, when you're in seminary, you probably don't have a full understanding of what it's going to be like. And so you, I mean, it really is just fully a theological degree. And then you end up having to learn the marriage and family and relationship stuff by like reading a bunch of John Gottman books real quick when you, you know, first get into your role. Interesting.
2: All right. What do you have, Tyler? All right. So this is a... Uh, it comes to us from the world of publishing. I hope that doesn't get everybody to turn it off, but I did think it's an interesting story uh, about some of the ways that Amazon is changing the publishing industry uh, and, and how they are, are they are and are not uh, meeting some of the challenges of the new business model that they've that they've pioneered and the way that they've turned the industry upside down. Uh, so this story involves uh, somebody who's been in the been in the magazine a couple of times. Tish Harrison Warren, uh, she's an author, an Anglican, who her liturgy of the ordinary was published in 2016, a uh, very very popular, very well reviewed book. And uh, but now it turns out that over the last year. It has been the victim. This book uh, been the victim of a huge counterfeiting operation uh, that utilized Amazon to sell over, over the last over the last year, according to Intervarsity, the publisher, twenty three thousand illegitimate copies over the last year are about two hundred and forty thousand dollars worth, which is about half of the money of all of uh, that's being sold. Yeah, uh, this this kind of off this a different brand, uh, uh, this this uh, counterfeiting operation just uh co- like photocopied her book photocopied the cover uh slapped it all together sold it at a discounted price uh undercut the the university actual price and actually became the number one search result when you googled her book what? uh that's the one that would pop up on Amazon as the primary buy instead of uh the what? actual one what? and uh the publisher yeah neither the publisher nor uh Harrison herself saw that money um, and she's part of a, a larger scheme. She was not the only book that was targeted by it, but she was one of the larger ones and, and also one of the uh, one that obviously falls within our purview here at Relevant because we've talked with her a number of times. So it's a, it's a really huge loss. And a New York Times investigation found that Amazon isn't really trying that hard to do anything about it. Obviously, there's such a huge operation at this point that they don't actually vet all these publishers that come through um, just a couple of weeks ago, it was also found that the number one if for anybody who uh, was look was looking at main comp, the actual public, the actual book is one that had a back of the book copy and a Ford written by a sympathizer, a Nazi sympathizer. So mm-hmm. they were buying uh, yeah. So they were buying an actual main comp from somebody who was sympathetic to white nationalism and, uh, and anti-Semitism, uh, But in, this case it's it is the actual book they are getting her actual book but they're not getting the book that she published so it's a it's an interesting issue amazon can kind of wipe their hands of the whole thing they they say on their website that they don't allow knockoffs but obviously when you're their size there's not a whole lot they can do they they're not going to take the time to investigate every single book or product that comes through to make sure that the money's going to who it should be going to yeah it, it, it
3: I was going to say this, you know, this is like a big, weird problem with Amazon. I listened. There was an episode of the the technology show Reply All a while ago where where it looked at just how sophisticated counterfeiters are getting on Amazon, where it's really, really hard to determine if you're buying an authentic product or a counterfeit in a lot of cases, because as soon as like Amazon will shut them down, they would just start up a new account. And they actually have people working all the time that are setting, you know, using IP maskers and things like that to write a bunch of fake reviews, and it gets really difficult to see if you're buying is legit. It's crazy to see it happen with a, you know, with a, a somewhat niche book about liturgy. You know, uh, you know, really kind of bringing this to the attention to to people's attention. But that is like a risk of using Amazon. Sometimes it's like how yeah. I can't touch it, I can't feel it. I must just know it's real. I'm surprised
0: you know? that I'm surprised that the bootleg industry. You know that's so ubiquitous, and like handbags, and you know, you know, high-end luxury goods on the streets of New York or markets in China or wherever. I mean, you can get them in physical locations. I'm surprised that those haven't come online the way you're describing. You know, it has for these publishers. Um, it, I I wonder if that's going to be kind of a next wave of consumer products, and like not knowing what's real and what's fake. You know?
2: Yeah. Because it's possible that they have. Like, I guess. For all I know, when I find a a good deal on a, uh, but I don't buy a whole lot of designer bags yet. But I maybe I'll get into that someday. And I don't know if I'm going to be buying a, a Louis Vuitton bag or just a, a very cheap, very realistic. Even if it's just a little bit, like if it slightly undercuts the price of the actual thing, um, then it'd be easy to fool any consumer and they just think they're getting a good deal, not right. that they're getting a counterfeit. Yeah, and it's e- easier to do that over Amazon. I mean,
1: yeah. you gotten a few things though from Amazon in your like Amazon Prime life, where you're like huh, this is just, this is exactly <laughs> what I off. ordered, Something's but it just off. feels less constructed or something. Well, it's not. But I'm going to This slip what? and
3: slide feels very dangerous. And it's like, it's going to tear instantly when I slide <laughs> my adult body <laughs> on it. Sure enough. I am scabbed from head to toe. So <laughs> thanks. I, am, no, I but, am
1: rolling through the grass.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, now to be fair to the counterfeiter, I shouldn't have put it that close to a gravel pit, but you know, <laughs> lessons learned. Right. No, but, um, yeah, you know, that's why you don't
1: order from Doug's slip and slide.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah. U <laughs> Z. U-Z. Yeah. <laughs> Uzbekistan is killing it in the slip and slide game guys. Now they're, they smell weird. I'll say that I got a headache when I opened the box. It's, very plasticky smelly no but the it's interesting because you've seen like these hybrid um, sites pop up in like in the streetwear industry they have there's a, a website StockX where it, you know it's sort of like an intermediary where if you want to buy limited edition you know shoes or you know a shirt or, or or something like that that um you know is branded with supreme or fear of god or you know any any of these brands and you want to make sure it's not a counterfeit if you you. You buy through this website. The seller actually has to send it to StockX first, who verifies its authenticity before it can be sold. I just wonder how long before that becomes more of a thing for a lot of other products, not just like, you know, designer gear, you know.
2: Yeah. Because the way InterVarsity even found out about this in the first place, they weren't aware until a customer called to complain about the condition of the brand new book they'd gotten. Uh, they've said, obviously, you can send it back in, we'll replace it. But when they got it, they realized this wasn't a book that we published at <laughs> yeah, all, like, which led to the like the, a bigger investigation into all of it.
1: Sir, we haven't sold Mein Kampf for 15 years.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird because the last few chapters appear to be photocopied instruction manuals for slip and slide installation from a site called Doug slip and slide any any ideas why she included that in the liturgy book
2: yeah <laughs> it's easy it's easy when you do these bootleg companies you get the pages just a little bit confused and before you know it Tish Warren, Tish Warren Harrison's new book is all slip and slide
1: all right so, what do you have Eddie well I just would like to invite everyone to subscribe to my new magazine relevance it's uh a lot like the relevant you like we're on our 100th anniversary um so very quick slice today and this is just one of those stories that i love but ashley barty who uh is now out of wimbledon but did pretty well in the women's uh singles uh portion of wimbledon and of course you know just to get there she's one of the best in the world she has been doing a lot of press so you know after every single they do you know they do press all throughout it and there's just a constant press junket. And uh, they caught on to something that she's been doing. She was asked uh, at a press conference on July second. Uh, she was asked, like, kind of how she thought about coming to uh, to Wimbledon and how how it felt to be in this grand stage. And she said, "I kind of just came into it thinking, you know, Hakuna Matata, just relax and go for it." And you know, they they kind of they kind of smiled and thought, "Well, that's a nice, charming little answer." So then a couple days later, Ashley comes into the press conference, she finishes and she was asked about her success over the past year and what it had been like to just, uh, you know, make it this far. And she said, uh, you know, and she said in response to what the success felt like, she said, you know, I chat with my niece and over and over again, she tells me that you can always just go to infinity and beyond at which point, reporters started to wonder if Ashley may have some sort of Jesse. you were going to say something? No, no. I'm just, I'm just amused. Continue. Yes, yes. And then, so, uh, so the press is starting to wonder if there is a pattern, but she's not letting on. And so, finally, uh, she was asked about her. Um, she was in. Uh, She was asked about a specific choice of shot that she made within within the uh, within the match. And she replied, you know, sometimes I look at a shot and I play the shot and I think the seaweed is always greener on someone else's lake. I try and think of how else I can win the point. Of course, she was quoting. Does anybody know what she's quoting? Uh, Is that Little Mermaid? Yes, it's under the sea. So it turns out they went back into her, her interviews. And for a good amount of her press, she quotes Disney movies within every single interview, real subtly, doesn't wink, doesn't smile, and is just super cool about it. And so I guess my question is one, how awesome is Ashley? And two, if you were in a press conference, what would you subtly throw into each little press conference that would eventually, uh, you know, trace people to your motives?
3: Yeah, well, I've seen this go one of two ways. Sometimes it's charming and clever, like this individual, like this tennis player who's, you know, you know, nonchalantly putting pop culture references, something very specific in their speeches. But I've also seen like weathermen do a whole weather report using like old school hip hop lyrics. And there's nothing more cringeworthy like this is the worst. There's nothing more nerdy than meteorology. I'm sorry. Let's just face it. It's the dorkiest <laughs> profession. Because here's the thing about meteorologists, okay? Meteorologists are under the impression they are very cool. It's one thing being like a lab scientist or or something or like, you know, a mathematician. Something that's like, okay, it's a little geeky. That's okay. I kind of own it. I wear a lab coat to work, everyone. You know, not the not the, the, the most hip profession ever. Meteorologists think they are just hilarious. They're like, your job is to tell me what the weather's gonna be like this week. Like, I have an app on my phone that has made your job obsolete at this point. Like, there's no need for this job to exist. I don't need to turn on TV at 1130 at night to see what the weather is going to be tomorrow. Literally, every electronic device, you can buy a watch. That will tell you that these days, right? <laughs> like there's no reason for the profession to exist. So for some reason, they're like, well, the other part of my job is making funny dance videos for Instagram. Now, it's like it's like when <laughs> the, the, the meteorologists are just, you, you know, holding on to any type of thing they can do to be, uh, you know, irrelevant anymore. And it, this is the wrong way. It's charming when someone like an athlete does it. It's annoying when you see it filter down into the world of, you know,
1: local news and stuff like that, though. I, I would also like to issue a challenge to longtime relevant listeners that there's a place for you in this story. And that if you can work into, if you're, uh, you know, be recording a sermon, if your sermon's being recorded, you can send us a recording of it and you just slip in. Listener of the week. Uh, uh, yeah. A relevant reference, listen anything listen without, yes. without giving us, without, without winking into the camera. We just no. want to hear it. So send us your sermon, your announcements, send us your podcast that just, somewhere and just tell us, you know, at the 15-minute mark, there may be something for you to hear. I would be very impressed.
3: And the more absurd and inappropriate, the more likely it will be read on... The more likely we'll actually <laughs> listen
2: to oh, I yeah. think it'd be very difficult oh, yeah. to, to do this off the cut. Like, I'm thinking about how... Like, I think... You could start out a little bit slide, but the seaweed is always greener. That is not. That is not a saying. No, that's she not a common. That. Uh, yeah, that that's the one that gave up the game. And being able, it's one thing if you're a meteorologist and you have it written out. You got the teleprompter there, so you can type it all out ahead of time. Then you have to deliver. You have to go straight through yeah. and just without being interrupted. Yeah. But she and other people, and like I see this happen in press junkets sometimes. Uh, they have to just react. Like they have to find a way to sneak it into an answer. And I feel like doing that off the cuff impromptu would be very difficult. I don't think I would do a good job at it. You,
3: you know what I've always wanted to try, like if I was being interviewed all the time, is mm. to throw in old sayings that I just made up that makes no sense and that just to see how many people just go along with it. Like, oh, that must be a thing people say and I just, you know, you know, like, oh, oh sure. so, so, you know, what, you know, how come you decided to go this direction in the book you're writing? Well, here's the thing, you know, a bullfrog only croaks twice on Sunday. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, Like, like you yeah, well, Listen, uh, 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 yeah, a cowboy spur doesn't fit on the left foot twice in a week. So you know, like, what my approach was, like, just how many things can you just say that make no sense that no one has ever said? Do you know, it. like, well, I, you know, at that point, the jet ski just needed an oil change. So
2: I decided <laughs> to make a new direction for my life. You know, like, just say weird
3: stuff and just see if
2: anybody Do calls that, you out on it. Yeah. See if anybody said i might not heard that one, or they think you mean something different because there's no meaning for it. So they'd the conversation a different direction than you were expecting. Uh, you said, "You know what? I had to." When, sometimes you just have to let the cat out the back door. And they're like, "Oh, so you really went for it?" And you're like, "No, that means I didn't go. That means obviously I said no to the opportunity." Yeah. Well, listen.
3: I mean, you know what happens when you eat an undercooked pig? You don't get the bacon right. So <laughs> the, bacon, <laughs> the, bacon the bacon doesn't have the sizzle. So yeah. you know that's why I kind of told him. You know, like. Yeah, but I, 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 can we issue that for a challenge to you? If you could just make up absurd old saying and throw it in, like to a conversation that you can let us hear somehow. Maybe, but we'll you know what? You.
0: It's better if it kind of makes sense. Like you just said uh-huh. one that kind of makes sense. You know, like it's kind of like you know, you know, your bacon doesn't have the sizzle. I mean, that kind of <laughs> makes sense if you're trying to make a point. Mm. That's the thing. Making up absurd non sequiturs, fine. Make yeah. absurd non sequiturs that actually could become a saying, a real thing,
2: you know. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Do that. yeah. Yeah. Even better it would be to try to do the thing where you start a saying and you expect the other person to fill in the last right. part of it. <gasps> like you see that happen in the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. sometimes. But yeah, you yeah, just yeah. Don't. So you say, Well, you know what they say? If you see a dog in a ten gallon hat Canoes yeah. prob- <laughs> the canoes <laughs> probably got a leak. So anyway, what I wanted
3: to- <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, as we
2: all know, weeds only grow on the left side of the shed when, when, the, when the nacho cheese tornado lands in Kansas. There we go. That'll do. Well, that'll play. That'll play. Anyhow,
1: it was a pleasure. It was. I, that's my slice. It was a pleasure to share this whole new world with you.
2: Oh my gosh! Oh, you got it. You wow. got the it. it's, info. It's they barely
1: noticed. They barely noticed. Not can hard. We
2: all
0: noticed. All right, that'll do for slices. There you go. Stay tuned. Up next, Rachel Cruz joins us. Hey, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Relevant Podcast. Hey, while you're on your podcast apps, we got some other options for you. Check out our newest podcast, Relevant Daily, which is every weekday. It's about 10 minutes keeping you in touch with what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. That podcast is growing fast and we love doing it. We think you should check it out. Also, season two of my long form conversation podcast, unedited with Cameron Strang, is about to come back. We have several Notable ones in the Hopper, and I'm excited for season two. So go check that out. uh, Relevant daily and unedited, uh, where we get your podcasts. You're listening to Phil Wickham and Chris Kalala song as you can't be stopped teaming up like a power duo they can't be stopped look at that well jordan and pippen action there <laughs> wait who's jordan who's pippen Tonto and the lone
3: ranger i mean it's well it's up to them to decide that batman no, and it, robin were- i will let the listener side but i will say this Phil Wickham actually kind of looks like a young Batman. So I'll let them decide. Yeah.
2: I think Phil's Batman. I'm sorry. I I don't mean anything bad by that. And and I think Robin gets kind of a bad rap, but I do think Phil Wickham is the Batman in this one.
0: (laughs) Although Chris Kalala's solo album from like two or three years ago is still maybe one of the best kind of Jesus focused albums I've ever heard in my life. Just musically,
2: lyrically, everything about it. It's incredible. And so. Robin did good solo work, too. So the analogy. Holds. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
3: when right. You guys are talking real quick. When we're talking about like superhero duos, can I ask one quick question I was thinking about the other day? That's really kind of bothered me. Do you guys mind? I know we got a big pod to do today. Sure. And uh, we got a really good segment coming. But I was thinking about Avengers. I'm, I've only seen a handful, but I do know that one of them is Hawkeye and he just has a bow and arrow. But I also know that Tony Stark has like a thousand Iron Man suits because they just fly out of nowhere. You think at any point Hawkeye's like, "Hey man, listen, I, I, this is a little awkward. I don't know how to say this, but as I'm sure you've noticed, all I have is a bow and arrow. That's literally it. Like <laughs> we're saving the universe here, and here's just <laughs> a little weird: is like you got like a thousand suits, man, and I got a bow and arrow. Like I, 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 I kind of feel like. You understand where this is going, don't you? I just, it bothers me a little. It bothers me. Tony knows he's out there fighting robots to saving the entire world with a bow and arrow. And Tony Stark literally has an infant supply of uh, suits. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry, Phil and Chris. I don't know who both of you guys are in that scenario, but it's something I had to get
0: off my chest personally. I think we, I think we are pretty clear. (laughs) <laughs> who's who in that situation. All right. Yeah, I think we uh, Like we mentioned, issue 100 of Relevant is out now. You can uh, view it at relevantmagazine.com and part of it was we did really fascinating conversations looking back at kind of the, the moments and trends that have shaped these first 100 issues in the last 16 years and kind of pivoting also to where we're going. Well, one of the sections, you know, relevant covers faith, life, culture, and justice. Well, in the life section, we talk about everything from money, Obviously, there's an economic collapse in the last, you know, in the last decade. Um, to you know, careers and relationships and other things. And one of the experts that joined us for that conversation was none other than Rachel Cruz. Rachel Cruz is a best-selling author, speaker, and personal finance expert. She's also the daughter of famed financial advice guru Dave Ramsey. I wonder how much she uh, likes that.
3: I, I, before I included that in her bio, I saw that it was on her bio on her website and she, it was like in parentheses, she was kind of self-aware about it. She was like, yeah, that makes growing up awkward sometimes. I was like, okay, well, we'll conclude (laughs) it. If, if she can make a joke, then I think we can too.
0: I do. I do think it's funny that Annie F. Downs uh, is friends with Rachel and they had like a girl's trip to uh, Las Vegas last year. And I jokingly (laughs) asked Annie F. Downs, well, I mean, did Rachel bring envelopes? Yeah. And the answer was unequivocally yes. She yeah, did. so <laughs> smart.
2: Uh, That's smart. Smart. It's game smart. With, she had her smart. limits. I don't, I don't, She's like, do
0: knock her for it. She had saved up a certain amount of money that she could play with. And then yeah. she stayed within that lane. And that's smart financial living. And can I just say this too? I'm reasonably
3: familiar with Dave Ramsey. I've met Rachel a, a couple of times over the years, and, I, and I'm familiar with her material. And I'm just going out go and say it. I'm not trying to create a rivalry. I'm not trying to do for them what we did for Phil Wickham and Chris Kulala. But I really relate to Rachel a lot better than, than Dave. Rachel, Rachel is very good at what she does.
0: Well, Rachel hosts the Rachel Cruz Show, where she helps her audience understand the roots of financial issues. And she's also a frequent guest on outlets like CNN, The Today Show, and even Good Morning America, where she appeared earlier this week. Well, like I mentioned, we spoke to Rachel for our 100th issue of Relevant as part of our Life Roundtable of Experts. And Tyler, you're the one who had the conversation with her. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, it was. I, I I like talking. to I like talking to anybody who knows stuff about money because I know so little about it that it's just really any chance to interview somebody who has any sort of financial expertise for this magazine is also just kind of a chance for me to personally get my own finances in order, which are otherwise a, a, a ongoing disaster. Um, a lot so of people could, don't know
3: this, but Tyler had an agreement when he started working here that he can only be paid in gold shekels.
2: <laughs> and he just, he, he I don't actually, regret it. I don't he actually
3: it. has a, an overflowing pirate chest in his house, and that's his bank account. You'll yeah. rue the
2: day. You'll all rue the day when gold shekels finally come back and you're all stuck with your worthless paper money while I'm sitting here with solid gold, solid God's money, <laughs> a, a literal pirate's <laughs> chest. Yeah. But the first thing I want to talk about was, of course, I think sort of for a lot of us, the defining financial story of our lives is the recession and what the recession did. And a lot of the issues that millennials face financially kind of stem from the era that a lot of us were raised in, which was after the stock market crashed. So I wanted her thoughts on how the recession has shaped this generation. And she had a take that I really I don't think I'd heard anywhere before, but I thought was super interesting. Here's what she said.
4: The recession, honestly, I would have thought would have made a bigger impact on people's outlook for our generation, but it really hasn't because we've seen the level, the debt levels continue to grow. Student loan debt has continued to rise. Credit card debt has continued to rise. And so my hope was that when it all went down, that our generation would look at our parents and have a little bit of a hesitation of mm-hmm. thinking, oh, okay, mm-hmm. something yeah. bad could happen. But factually, we're just not seeing that because debt levels continue to rise. And so the effect of that, though, is that our generation, we're getting people are saying they're getting married later, they're buying homes later, they're putting off a lot of life milestones because of their financial situation. And that is immediately tied towards debt, especially student loan debt.
3: That that is really interesting. I feel like it's something that almost seems like kind of counterintuitive because I feel like... Mm -hmm. It's it's almost like, and that's what that that was one of the interesting thing about all of these roundtables, uh, whether it was in the God, Justice, or or uh, uh Life's or, or Culture sections too. Um, that you know we really we try to be really intentional asking questions about how we got to where we were, as lo- as well as being forward projecting. But that observation that the recession may have caused a lot of anxiety in our generation or the younger generation that was coming up and graduating college, you know, directly following the recession, but it didn't make any dramatic changes to people's spending and debt habits. I mean, that's scary, but also kind of fascinating too.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting observation terms of, d- should the recession have had a bigger effect on the way that we spend, the way we save, and the way we we use, utilize our credit cards and the way we navigate our own debt? I think it probably you could make that case. And I think a lot of us also just didn't grow up with a lot of really great examples of, of how to do that because a lot of us weren't taught that because we didn't have a lot of financial responsibility modeled to us growing up, which is obviously yeah, not, something not, not that everyone people
3: like- Grew up with Dave Ramsey stuff and envelopes full of shekels for her lunch money. So yeah. I, cu-
2: <laughs> I cut out all the talk about her excellent, her excellent role model growing up because that wouldn't be relatable to most of us. Um, <laughs> but one thing I did want to know kind of along those same lines is I think there is a tension that a lot of us, especially a lot of us Christians feel about nice stuff. Um, is it moral to have nice stuff? Is it responsible for people, especially at a time where there's a lot of economic insecurity, to splurge for things that we that we don't need, but things that we want that might be seen as frivolous or uh, or exorbitant? And uh, here's what she had to say about that.
4: Yeah, I always take the approach, it's okay to have nice stuff. Just don't let your nice stuff have you. And your stuff can have you if you go into debt for it. Scripture is clear that the borrower is slave to the lender. And it can have you if your identity, your happiness, your joy, your contentment, who you think um, you are is wrapped up in that thing. And so I think that there is a place that if you save up and pay for something and you buy it with the motivation, knowing this is not going to bring me eternal joy and happiness. It's just a fun thing to get. And I can do it because I've saved up the money and my heart is in the right spot then I think there's definitely times that you can go and get, um, yeah, buy some fun things. But overall, um, you have to make sure those two things are in check financially, that you're in a good spot and that you're not dependent upon this thing or the newness of buying this thing to, you know, fund your happiness.
3: Tyler, that's one thing I have appreciated about her perspective. Again, like she has her, her show and her her approach to these topics. And what I, I really appreciate she kind of brought to the roundtable is like not just the practical element there, but also the deeper root. Like, look, if you're trying to fill a hole with, with you know... W- consumer goods like things that you purchase it's got not only will it come up empty not only are there spiritual repercussions but there's also like really practical ones like eventually if you, that's your mindset you know you, you're never going to be able to have enough to fill the hole and so you're going to end up you know suffering financially for it linking the, the spiritual issue there with the practical one you know i, I think it's really wise
0: she didn't mention that uh, the other the other potential ramification is you'll end up on a social media account shaming you for your,
2: for your <laughs> yeah. We never got to that question, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey
2: Rachel, what kind of shoes are you wearing right now? <laughs> right now. Hey, Don't you lie? <laughs> <laughs> They're off whites, aren't they? Yeah. But I think that's I think what you said, Jesse, is is true. I think it's easy for people to focus on either one or the other, right? They either focus purely on the financial part of it. Like, can you afford X, thing, X vacation, shoe, car, or they yeah. focus purely on the spiritual side of it? Like, are you trying to do something? Are you trying to fill a, a void in your heart? A very subjective question about whether you're just trying to to impress yourself or make yourself happy with, fine, with uh, consumer goods, uh, but trying to... Bring those two things together is something that she's done really, really well. It's something she talks about a lot, and I appreciate that part of the uh, the conversation that she brings to it as well.
3: And, and, and how that also, I you know, I really want people to like get the issue and check out this roundtable because what's interesting is like her thoughts there. You can apply that to several topics that we talked about in the Re- life roundtable, so like relationships, so, uh, career. You know, like if your motivation for moving up in your career is for some you know, deeper sense of like, per, uh, you know, purpose and fulfillment and identity that really, you know, shouldn't be misplaced. That should be something that God gives to you. Or same thing with a relationship. If if a relationship becomes kind of weirdly codependent and your identity is no longer in your faith, but in a relationship, there's a problem. That's why I think what she said there is so profound, because it really goes into all the areas that we discussed in that roundtable.
2: And that's kind of where the conversation went too, actually, because I I think career, uh, especially moving forward for our generation, for even the next generation now is going to become more of a, what is, what is the future of career look like? And particularly entrepreneurialism, because everybody knows we're the, we're the entrepreneurial generation, right? And I was curious about what she thought, particularly in light of how much that is becoming more and more of a thing. For people our age, uh, starting their own businesses, being entrepreneurs, where does she see that going, and how does she see it as being different than where we came from? Uh, here's what she said about that.
4: I think that's one thing that I appreciate about our generation is we really do focus on like what what's your why with 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 what you work like. Are you in a job that you have passion for? Or are you in a job that you love? Um, we really hold value to that. And again, the extreme side of that is not good where millennials are walking around without jobs because they haven't found their quote unquote dream job. You know, you there is a reality you got to work and make money to live. Um, But I think we do value our, um, our talents and our passions in the workplace more than past generations.
3: Yeah, I I think that's something we've observed a lot of over the years you know you know it just from the from the content side producing stuff that people want to read a lot of you know i think there's been a lot of like past generations where it's like look at five o'clock work's done and that's when real life kind of starts you know i'm not saying for everyone but i but i do feel like there has been a shift with our generation where they they want yeah their passions to be a part of their job, like they, they don't want this like necessarily this like separation in a lot of ways. You know, they they if if they if they can get it, they want it to be part of the that
2: you know passion and calling. And, and like right. she alluded to, that's obviously that's easy to, to overcorrect on that, right? Like to work so hard for to find that job that you're passionate about that uh that you never really get land or feel safe or comfortable in a career at all because you're concerned there's something else out there, kind of like scrolling yeah. through Netflix where you never start playing something because there might be something else down the road you're looking for. That can be a, a problem. Um, so it's about learning how to be responsible with your passions. Uh, tons of people in, the, in this roundtable had a lot of really good thoughts about how to bring your passions to your life to your day-to-day life in a responsible and, and fulfilling way um, those are all in the all in the issue along with rachel's thoughts i was really glad to be able to talk to her about this and glad to talk to everybody else that we talked to as well this is a great conversation
0: yeah check her out uh the rachel cruz show and also in the hundredth issue of relevant you can view it right now at relevantmagazine.com. and hey if you're so inclined support the cause and subscribe okay stay tuned up next Ask the cast.
4: And I remember you told me, Work it out loud, don't you worry. And now the tears in your eyes make it bright. But if you say try again, I'll be ready.
0: I'm ready. You're listening to Mark Ronson featuring Camilla Cabello. The song is Find You Again. Okay, it's time for Ask the Cast. We've done this enough now. I think we should officially commission... jingle Our illustrious brother to make a <laughs> jingle for Ask the Cast. So maybe on the, on the next edition. All right, so we went online. We asked you guys, or we scoured Twitter. Uh, we looked for <laughs> the questions you guys sent us. Uh, you tweeted us at Relevant Podcast. Questions for the cast, and I will lob some of them now. Uh, David asks, guys, uh, David asks, my wife recently gave birth to twins. Now, she's not a fan of me performing experiments, but it seems like a perfect (laughs) opportunity to raise them in the same environment, but with subtle differences and observe the results. (laughs) So his Mm. question is, what subtle experiments can I get away with and how?
3: Well, I mean, I think the obvious one we're all thinking is one of them should be raised and only be spoken to with a British accent. I'm kind (laughs) of curious to see if one comes out a little bit more British. But I mean, the opportunities here are really endless. Yeah. I, (laughs) I like how he prefaced it, like, as if this is a conversation that he and his wife had had. Like, ex. Performing experiments on their children because she's not a fan. So I feel like it also has to be somewhat subtle. Eddie, what, what are you thinking would be a good advice? For <laughs> I, I have I have an idea, I have an idea in the meantime. They have to be think, subtle.
0: Now they have to be subtle. It can't be like obvious, like yeah. hey, we're going to push you towards sports and you towards school, mm-hmm. or we're going to give you twice the food portions of the other one. You can't do that. It has to be subtle that he okay. can get
2: away with it and the wife doesn't notice. Okay. This is going to be difficult, but I think I think you could pull yeah. it off. Yeah, I, I think you could do sort of a reverse this this new yesterday movie and what a man wakes up in a world that never knew who the Beatles were. I think you could do sort of a reverse subtle version of this in which one child is aware of the Beatles and the other one, you keep, you keep all Beatles music influence and paraphernalia away from him and see how true that movie actually ended up being to one child's experience. Yeah. Or how about, how about this? Uh,
3: This one isn't, well, it could be subtle. I mean, they make pretty subtle eye patches these days. One son I mean, or one of the twins gets a, I guess an eye patch on their right eye, the other one on the left. And the theory oh, yeah. that I'm working yeah. with here is that the other eye will go very, very strong, right? To compensate for the eye that is under the eye patch. In a few years, you may have a set of twins that have two eyes that have supervision. I don't, <laughs> I, I think the, the science there would back me up because Eddie, you know what they say? If the toilet's still running at midnight,
1: you got to get out of the house because it's <laughs> you got a whole flood. It's terrible. Yeah.
3: Um, the, 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 then the chicken coop is the only safe place. That's the end of the saying. That's right, that's right.
1: I'm sorry. Obviously. You butchered it. Obviously. I would. I would love, love, love for you to gently tell one of the twins that they were actually born a year before the other one, and just never let up on that, and see how it works. Like, how long does it take them to realize they're the exact same size and they look exactly the same, and are also very scary because they're identical. they also probably have supernatural powers when will they recognize i'm just gonna say though friend about having twins i i don't have twins but you just watch your back um having two of two of a kind that's a very strange phenomenon and i i'm not gonna plant any things in your head but i'm gonna say uh you know you know the old saying jesse
2: if you have twins in the house then the monkey's already caught the coconut. We, as, we know, Eddie, right. as, <laughs> as we know,
0: Eddie.
2: As we know. Alexander
0: asked, he said, uh, it, okay, it's Pastor's edition of Survivor on CBS. Which Pastors would you have on each team? Bonus, who wins it all? Oh, man. Well,
1: oh, like, I still. Go, okay, go. go ahead, Eddie. Go no, ahead. No, please, 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 please. Because I've got Okay, the Trump let's, card. Uh,
0: real, real quick, let's do just uh, like a fantasy draft right now. Around, uh, like a round, a round. Yeah. yeah, two teams. Jesse, you're picking for your team. Then, Eddie, you're picking for your team. Jesse, you have first pick. Pastor, Survivor, five Okay. Names. Okay,
3: uh, I Well, number one, I don't know if anyone's seen the shape Carl Lentz is in. I got to go with him. The guy's yeah. a workout machine. Yeah. I feel like athletically, he's got a big advantage there.
1: Yeah, all right. No, he's pick. number one off my board. Eddie, your your first pick. Number one, uh, Rob Bell, but current Rob Bell, not twenty years ago Rob Bell. I want. Well, he's I not want a pastor lit. now, though. He's he not would, a
0: vocational pastor.
1: Yeah, but he would say he is, and I'm he's tellin- still ordained. I'm, he's still yeah. ordained, and I'm okay. telling you, every other pastor on the island just completely dissolves at that point. They just implode <laughs> with anger. Rob Bell
0: wins. <laughs> oh, they don't oh, just leave the show.
3: Okay. They don't want to be associated with him, so they just leave the show entirely. Like we can't, okay. we can't be all show Rob Bell. Jesse,
0: yeah. pick number two.
3: Okay. Uh, uh, well, this is someone not, not a pastor, but, uh, uh you know, someone who speaks at a church regularly. Uh, so I'm going to let it count uh, delivering incredible sermons. Our very own Annie F Downs. Annie F. Annie's Downs. Annie's so no likable. Sure. I can't see anyone yeah. ever voting uh, Annie, uh, you know, against Annie for anything. She's yeah, too sure. likable.
1: She's too likable. All right. You Eddie,
0: your, uh, your second pick.
1: Yeah. hundred well, percent Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, uh, quest church, Seattle, you know, she's been on the show. She's incredible. Um, I have never, ever, I, when I locked eyes with her the first time, I realized she is 9,000 times smarter than me and is just playing on my level to be kind. If I'm going to have anybody in a mental street fight with a bunch of other pastors on an island, I yeah. take her all day long.
0: Wow, interesting. Okay, J- uh, Jesse, your third pick. Okay, so right now I got Carl.
3: I got Annie. I'm coming out So with, you've got uh, athletic and friendly. I've got athletic and friendly. I need someone who I feel like is cunning. really, yeah. It, it has has a bit of has a bit of cunning. Uh, has has some street smart. Has you
0: know, yeah. Oh, the also th- the the prize the money. Thing, the other thing about Carl is he's super competitive. So he's that alpha male
2: competitive.
0: So you got yeah. competitive.
2: But will, he, but will he play dirty? I don't know if Jesse has anybody willing to do get their hands yeah, so dirty. Right. Do he needs, needs to cunning. Done? He needs cunning. Yeah,
3: yeah. I do need cunning. See, I was gonna go john gray here because uh you know this is a guy uh you know i i feel like you know he's he's very fashionable he's yeah he's the one that everyone likes to be around i feel like yeah. he would be hanging on to the end he's he's got his he's got his own show he's he buys lambos like he's the guy that everyone kind of wants to hang around i i i'd like I the dynamic between annie john and carl
1: okay all right all right eddie and my final choice, and I am also going with pure athleticism, uh, and it is because I've met this person, uh, and that's Bishop D.D. Jakes. Here's why. Really? Um, I, shook, I shook his hand one time, and he said, hello, son. And both the sound of his voice and the size of his hand made me feel as though I was two, and yeah. uh, that I was either terrified or this was my actual dad. Um, and so I feel like in whatever physical competition, he just shows up. Everybody else walks away. At this point, we've got we've got the ringer and Rob Bell, who's just going to dissolve them. We've got massive intellect with Dr. Brenda. And then you have Bishop Jakes, who just you don't they won't even be an obstacle course. He'll show up. They'll be done. I
3: win. OK, I got one more. And maybe he should just be the host or just to the tribal council to replace Jeff, because, you know, Jeff has a catchphrase, right? You know, the tribe has spoken and he puts out the torch. John Piper will obviously be in charge of tribal council. Oh, no. Farewell, Rob Bell. And just puts out the torch and just sends him off. Like, it's too good of a catchphrase for him not to be used there. Come on, guys. Come on. That's obviously
1: anti-right. Obvious. Clearly, he's the fourth on the team. But, you know, yeah, you got to
3: have one British guy on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And we, like, we got a British him, accent. And we call like him the, Tom.
0: Yeah. Uh, this one was this one wasn't a uh, ask the cast, but as a little feedback on on Friday's episode where we learned the Groundbreaking information that from ages 5 to 18, our very own Tyler Huckabee slept on a waterbed. He had his own waterbed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ross said, my Tyler Huckabee childhood waterbed theory, is a theory, is that his dad bought it to surprise his mom. She wasn't into it. The waterbed emporium obviously has a firm no-return policy, so it went to the youngest kid therefore Tyler won't grow up with a water bed. I like it's it. The,
3: it makes the, sense. It's the, oh, I mean, I'll say this. They're definitely not taking him back. Well, no. he, the other theory is they were counterfeit water beds and they're like, well, this isn't safe for an adult to sleep on. Let's just give it to Tyler. See how he fares." You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's an Amazon, you know, counterfeit deal where it's like, well, yeah, I feel like Tyler's got a better, he's young and spry. He, he's got a better sense of, you know, survival in case he wakes up and he's literally trapped underwater. We'll see how he does because you know what they say, Tyler, uh, uh, the church bell uh, rings three times on Sunday, only if a girl's in the Hardy Boys. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Only right. if we,
3: we realize the butter's gone bad. So anyway, yeah, right. anyway, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, anyway.
0: there's also a bunch of uh, sports questions. It's a big. It's a lots going on. in the NBA free agency. There's a lot of people asking us about that. But then I'll end it with this last question. Uh, Jorge says it's our one year wedding anniversary next month. Uh we are doing the Dave Ramsey debt free living, so we can't spend too much money, but what should we do to celebrate?
1: Mm, very active with Rachel. S- I would say go and yeah. 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 go yeah. and visit your go and visit your pastor immediately. Um, there is <laughs> there are some things happening between the two of you that we can't talk about on the air, but you need to talk to someone immediately. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> call your pastor. Yeah, but studies show you should probably call up your pastor right now. So yeah. to celebrate, they book an appointment with their pastor. Airing, like of Airing of grievances. Airing of grievances. What could gr- be more? Yeah, It get costs it all off nothing. Your chest. It costs nothing to air grievances.
3: That's the that's the correct thing. Let's see how strong this marriage really is.
1: You know, I would uh, I would get a tarp, an old tarp that you have laying around, and see if you can make a free <laughs> slip inside, and then just <laughs> live with the consequences.
3: <laughs> make a free slip inside. Have a lot of fun for the afternoon. Box it up and sell it on Amazon as a copy of the purpose-driven life. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, that, that way. Yeah, you know, if you're trying to make a little money. Just cut a bunch of. T- and sell them as Christian bestsellers. People are making a fortune out there doing that kind of stuff. You know, it's yours for the taking and congratulations, by the way. Happy one One year. year.
2: Happy happy anniversary. Happy one
0: uh, year. Many thanks everyone for sending in questions, uh, tweeting us questions. If you want to send your ask the cast question for next Tuesday's episode, you can hit us up at relevant podcast on Twitter. Well, many thanks to quip for making the episode possible. Remember quip starts at just $25. And if you go to get, quip.com slash relevant right now. You get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Uh, that's dot com slash relevant. Thanks also to Rachel Cruz for joining us. Make sure to read more of the conversation that she was a part of in the 100th issue of Relevant. You can view it right now at relevantmagazine.com. The 100th issue of Relevant. It's a big deal. Go check it out. Also, you can follow Rachel on Twitter at at Rachel Cruz, C-R-U-Z-E. And follow her, you know, you can probably catch her on Good Morning America as well. Okay, well, on that note, we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm
2: Eddie Kaufoltz. I'm Tyler Huckabee. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone.
4: Thank you for listening to the Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Must have taken all night. You just need to take several seats in the
3: Well, here's the thing, you know, a bullfrog only croaks twice on Sunday. Relevant
4: Podcast Network.
3: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun,
4: yeah, you get it every time.